inspiration, success stories, expert advice, strategies, new ideas, and amazing conversations. Everything you need to become a great speaker. This is Oscar Santolaya, and welcome to Time to Shine. Hello, and thanks for listening today. We will have a, an amazing conversation today about uh, what happens when speakers have to find the right words in the very first sentences. What happens if sometimes, imagine that there's an audience that is a bit distracted at the time the speaker comes to the stage, and the first word that the speaker says change everything. People get completely silent, with devoted attention. So that's what we want. And today we'll hear some good uh, advice what to do in those cases. For that, I will introduce you our new guest today. Rosemary Barnes is a professional speaker and presentation trainer, founder of Confident Stages Executive Presentation Academy, an international best-selling author. Whether from stage or page, Rosemary champions others to strive for excellence in personal, professional, and leadership roles through respectful and clear communication, through team leadership strategies, and by cultivating increasing confidence in all areas of our lives. Hello, Rosemary. Hello, Oscar. It's very nice to be here. Nice talking with you. And as we chat just a few minutes ago, the spring is everywhere. Well, everywhere who is uh, like us in the <laughs> in the northern hemisphere. <laughs> yes, finally after after a very odd winter, it is finally time for summer. Okay. <laughs> yes. Excellent. Um, I'm very intrigued to hear your your advice and experience on. We talk about openings and also about endings. That's a very important component in every every type of presentation, uh, speech. It can be a toast, and uh, anytime you want to talk with audience, um, media, etc. So I would like to hear before a bit about yourselves, how how you became a um, presentation coach um, that you are today and speaker. Thank you for the opportunity to share with you, Oscar. How I got here? Oh my goodness! How does anybody get anywhere? Okay. Uh, this is, I think, my sixth career. Oh. I seem to have I seem to have a seven year attention span for mm. careers. Before I go, all right, I've done that. Now what? So in previous lives, I was uh, a teacher. I worked in theater. Uh, I have degrees in drama, in music, and in education. So what you what that, that all boils down to is communication, mm-hmm. whether whether as an author uh, sharing words on the page, whether as a speaker sharing words from the stage, or as a musician or as an actor, <clears throat> we communicate and we can do it well, or we can suffer the consequences of not doing it well. When so when when. I retired from teaching because I did that. Uh, I thought, all right, what's next? And and it occurred to me that since I spent most of my time helping people feel confident about themselves for the stage, for music, I was one. I was a band teacher, uh, so I spent most of my time creating a safe place 
for students to be able to express themselves without fear of mockery or or mm. uh, teasing. And so the my spaces were always safe and they were always uh, <laughs> grammatically correct. I am a grammar Nazi. Okay. I'm a self-proclaimed grammar Nazi. It uh-huh. seems to me that if people for that for whom English is not the first language speak better speak better English than those of us for whom it is the first language, mm. something is terribly wrong. We we at least need to speak English as well as the non-native speaking people. <laughs> so ironic. Uh, and so I stamp my self-righteously indignant little foot and say no. Respect yourself by respecting the language that you use to represent yourself. So I started Confidence Stages, which was about learning confidence through believing in oneself and then sharing that through the words we speak. Yeah, excellent. Um, very interesting journey you have had. Uh, you said teacher uh, was first profession, then many artistic, um, especially in, in artistic way that you express with your with your voice and with your body. Yes, and it's very interesting. Also, <laughs> what you say that you're a you're a grammar. Um, how do you say grammar freak? No, grammar. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will, I, I will persuade the world that it is better to speak well than to... If you can't speak well, just stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's okay, true. that wasn't nice. Yeah, in, this, in these times that we have so much uh, chat, these chats and yes. Yes. people are getting more and more lazy about um, a correct way or, or writing and speaking. So, yeah, it's good. Well, and here's the other thing is that the amount of energy we put into our mouths has decreased. Mm, yes. So we've got mumble mouth. Mumble. <laughs> mumble mouth. Uh, and it's really interesting that people in the uh, cooler regions of our planet enunciate and use their mouths better than people in hot areas. Uh-huh. In, in the colder areas, we're shivering, we're cold, and mm-hmm. we've got it energy to keep our bodies warm and, and our mouths match in hotter areas where you, you don't want to move too quickly. You don't want to use excess energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the mouth that I, I cite Jamaicans. Mm-hmm. I love the people and their language is so interesting. And the, the way they speak is fabulous, but oh my gosh, they really don't use their mouths very well to speak. There just isn't a lot of energy in there. Whereas people from cooler areas use their mouths a lot better. So you, in terms of uh, articulation or? In terms of articulation, in terms of the energy uh-huh. that we use to speak. Oh, quite interesting. Yeah, I didn't pay I attention found, to that. Yes, I, I've, I've done a bit of a survey over the years and have found that, that people from colder areas simply put more energy into their mouths when they speak, and so they are easier to understand. Hmm. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with this, I want to hear definitely more interesting things about you, but and I will ask you now something 
also personal from your personal experience and particularly I want to ask you now what has been your best opener or the one that you one that you really want to to share with us was special or important relevant and similarly uh, a good um, a good closing of some presentation or speech you had The, the most fun that I ever had with an opening was uh, I was in a contest mm -hmm. uh, when I first started the company and it was uh, a panel discussion and someone said to me, uh, if you had one superpower, if you could have a superpower, what would it be? Without even thinking, I said, if I had a superpower... If, hello, mother, of course I've got a superpower, and went on from there. It was uh, very surprising. It was funny. Uh, it had energy in it. And the, uh, well, I won the contest, so apparently it worked. <laughs> the thing about opening and closing is that you must not waste time. Mm -hmm. Yes. Coming out and saying, Hi, I'm glad to be mm -hmm. here. Uh, the, I lost my luggage. <laughs> the hotel gave me toothpaste. Nobody cares. What you want to do when you open a presentation is grab the interest and hold on. To do that then, what you need to do is come out with a bold statement, one that may be slightly controversial, or at least one that absolutely draws a line in the sand that says, this is how I feel. Or if you don't want to do that, depending on the audience, you ask an engaging question, one mm -hmm. that cannot be answered by yes or no. What you're trying to do with your opening statement is engage the audience immediately. You can do that through bold statements or by engaging questions. Coming out and saying, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for having me, thank you for the introduction, is a waste of time. And time is never a speaker's friend. Mm -hmm. I agree. Uh, speakers, speakers share value, and oh my goodness, we share until the clock chimes midnight. Mm -hmm. So because we're never going to have enough time, don't waste it. Of course you're glad to be there. Of course, you're, you've, but you've thanked these people before. The audience is glad to be there. You don't need to thank them. Get on to work and share what you're going to share. Therefore, if you're going to come out and say, I believe the world is made of green cheese, <laughs> that's going to garner attention. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the world is not only made of green cheese, I'm going to take the next 40 minute, 45 minutes to tell you exactly why I think so, how it's proven, and how what you can do to make sure your children know this for all time eternal. Now get on with it. It is uh, the opening statement is designed to grab attention, not not wiggle your way behind the podium, not not. I think what it is, is that people like to pull the magical disappearing speaker trick. They 
there so that people pay attention to them. But instead of coming out and being bold or engaging or, or charismatic immediately, we try to break in slowly. And that's a mistake. Mm. Yes. The, the, to, to begin, uh, always begin strong. Mm -hmm. Do not come in, do not come in with all the niceties. If you want to thank people, do it after your beginning statement. Yes. So, for, for example, the world is made of green cheese. Ladies and gentlemen, your gift for coming today is to know exactly why, why how the earth came to be made of green cheese, and you will lead with the tools that you need to make sure everyone else knows it. That's how you begin a presentation, not by saying hello. Yeah, I like also the reminder of one of the reasons why you want to grab the attention quickly and go, go to the point, bring in your, the phrase that you, you select for the occasion is the time. As you say, that's very important. You, it's not a, there's no time to waste. So there's no time to waste engaging the audience either. They remember that a speaker's job is not to share their word. The speaker's job is to prepare and share the information in the way that the audience can hear it. There is no point in speaking Finnish to a Spanish-speaking audience. Mm -hmm. Therefore, every presentation has to be geared to what the listeners need. Not particularly, of course we're going to say what the speaker wants to say, but it has to be in the way that they can receive it, accept it. Our job is to... Uh, inform, followed by inspire, followed by invite. So get on with the job. Start by informing. Yeah, excellent. And one of your closings that you could share with us? I always close the same way, and that's with a signature. Every time I close, I end with my one singular, less than two action item. The one thing that the audience can take away and do immediately. I always end with that. Then I take a step back. I announce that I tell them, this is my ending. My name is Rosemary Barnes. My company is Confident Stages. I help Uh, I champion leaders to speak to succeed, speak to engage, and speak to share. And I am at your service. And then I take a half step back, mm -hmm. my hands at my sides, bow my head just long enough to say in my head, I was terrific, and stand up with a smile on. The last thing that we hear is what we remember best. So end with your uh, call to action and then end with your name so that people remember those two things about you. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to say thank you. Do not say thank you. Saying thank you. Okay, here's, I have a theory as to why mm -hmm. we end that way. 
it's because we're not sure the audience is going to know that we're done. Yes, exactly. So we go, thank you. Mm. Well, that to me is very dismissive. I don't like that at all. They should be thanking you. <laughs> Now, when you do say thank you is when they're applauding for you. Yeah. Through applause, they are telling you that they liked what you offered. It is at that point when they're applauding for you that you say thank you. The, what you do not do, and oh my goodness, this is an important one, do not ignore the applause oh, yeah. and start clearing up and leaving the stage mm -hmm. and all that kind of thing. Never do that. That is like uh, ignoring a compliment. Mm -hmm. For example, if you want to know what this feels like, uh, and I'm going to I'm going to make you feel terrible in a second, but it's all in the it's all in the name of of, of uh, illustration. Mm -hmm. Say something nice about me, Oscar. <laughs> I like the jumper you're dressing now. <laughs> Thanks. That's great. Goodbye. <laughs> Don't you feel like I've just sort of slapped you in the face? Yeah. I've I've yeah. minimized. Yeah. Go away. <laughs> Go away. I'm done. I'm done with you. Mm -hmm. uh, so when people are applauding, for heaven's sake, take that moment mm -hmm. and stand in the glory. They are telling you they liked you. They are telling you they appreciated the content. Don't ignore them. That's rude. And I'm Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, like, uh, I definitely like your approach and what you have said that um, you end with the words you uh, you define and Thank you. It's, you it's, not, uh, it's not a good way to end. I, I completely agree with that. Uh, even though it's so common that you'd, almost every speaker ends with thank you uh, instead of um, what, what they would like to, the audience to do or to, yes. to, re to remember. And then, as you said, um, you give some, uh, you can bow or do some gesture with your, your body. Yes. And, and then wait and they will mostly, most probably, they are going to, to clap, no? And that's the time to say thank you. That's when you say thank you, is when they are, when they are saying we liked it, mm -hmm. then say thank you. Mm -hmm. And also, don't go so fast, right? Because that's also another thing many speakers, okay? They go, it's like running, it's... <laughs> Well, and that's the thing again, too, is that have you ever heard a speaker say, I've got, I've got 45 minutes of material, but only 20 minutes, so I'm just going to go really fast. Mm. The worst thing you can do, because then you confuse them, confuse the audience, and a confused mind does nothing. There's a, there's a formula that I train with, and it's, I, it's an eloquent name. It's called Talk to the Hand. Uh, but it's, my, it's, it's a system for organizing presentations. If you put your palm in front of you, you're looking at your palm, your fingers are splayed, your thumb is your opening. Your baby finger is your call to action, your closing. In between, you've got three fingers left. Mm -hmm. That's your topic one, topic two, and mm -hmm. topic three. And that is all you are allowed. You have more topics than that. Nobody's going to remember <laughs> anything. Yes. So topic one is important. Topic two 
may be a transition that goes between topic one and three. If, if there is a weaker one, it goes in the middle. Mm -hmm. Your third topic, your ring finger, is the big one. Because we remember what we hear last, best. That's it. Now, for a huge presentation or a workshop, each of those topics, topic one, two, and three, can each have three little sub-points in them. We are married to the number three. <laughs> There's a reason that we have three bears and the three brothers and the three this and the three that's and the three others. People can remember three things well. Speakers can remember their three things well. So then they're not reliant on their slides to be their presentation instead of them. They're not reliant on good speakers must be able to give a presentation even if the electricity goes out. <laughs> True. So by limiting the scope of the information you offer per sitting, you make a much greater impact. People remember and you leave them wanting a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, could I agree more? <laughs> right. Uh, so you, I'm sure you also have um, listened from time to time, fun, either attending um, events or or in videos. There are so many videos that uh, that we are watching nowadays. Some similarly, someone else, good openers or good closing. Could could you share some examples? The very best opening I ever saw mm -hmm. was by a very talented man who's not only a speaker, but a singer-songwriter. Mm -hmm. And he wrote a song that had to do with the presentation. The lyrics were part of the presentation. And he came out with his guitar and he sang his song. It was completely, completely entrancing. He had that audience on the edge of their seats listening to every word that was in that song. When he finished, he didn't take the guitar off for a while. He held on to it for just a bit while mm -hmm. he started speaking and for mm -hmm. his introduction. Then he took the guitar off, he leaned it, and then he took up the speaker business. But his opening was absolutely spellbinding. Now, not all of us are singer-songwriters, but here's what I have to say, and speakers around the world will cringe. Mm. Speakers are performers, whether they want to admit it or not. Now, I'm not saying they're actors. Actors, actors work their lives long to take the written word and make it appear real. Mm -hmm. But there is an element of performance for the speaking world as well. The way we use the stage matters. Which side we enter from matters. Whether we are tall or whether we are small matters. Now, therefore, when you come out, the first thing that you have to do is uh, grab their attention through whatever means. We all need a bit of a shtick. That's part of our style. Create a style that really represents who you are and use it. Not all of us can come out with a guitar and sing a song <laughs> that we wrote specially for the occasion. 
but some people are extraordinarily witty and funny. So they come out with witty comments and it becomes their signature. Other people come out with uh, grandiose statements and that's their style. There is no perfect beginning, save to say that it must be engaging and it must really represent the speaker's personality. So this man coming out with his songwriting did one fell swoop. Another man that I saw uh, came from the United States mm -hmm. and he was speaking at a conference. He insisted on, after the introduction, he was going to run up the center aisle and take the, a, a small little jump up onto <laughs> the platform and turn around. He almost entered like a game show host. But he did it very respectfully and it wasn't over the top. And it worked very, very well for him. You take someone else uh, and that's not going to work at all. Yeah. <laughs> but this guy was big and black and athletic and mm -hmm. powerful and he could he could it was his it worked for him i couldn't do that it wouldn't work for me <laughs> so you have to know and you have to know what the audience expects you can't enter like that if you're uh delivering a eulogy that doesn't work mm -hmm. it depends on the situation uh, I'm afraid there are no stock answers except mm -hmm. to get to the point and get on with it. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, I like also your, your examples because um, it shows that uh, not only the the words matters, what you say, so you have to, of course, uh, grab the attention quickly with the words, right words, go to the point, mm -hmm. but also um, everything about you, since you start appearing into the stage, start walking to the, let's say the center of the stage, it's, it's typically it's like that. Every single uh, movement of you really matters and something that is, um, often ignored. No? Sometimes you see the speakers who look a bit, um, a bit nervous or trying to hide, don't look at the yes. audience until they are in the middle and then, um, it, they feel that it's time to, it's time to perform now. One of the most important things that speakers really must try to do is make contact, eye contact, before they start to speak. Mm -hmm. Come on out onto your platform and say hello with your eyes, just very quickly, no more than two seconds, three at the most, otherwise it begins feeling very odd. But, but say hello with your eyes, make contact. Take a moment to breathe, take a moment to center, get your body into neutral, and then speak. Uh, your comment about, about movement is so valid. We've all seen the speakers that pace across the front of their platform mm. like caged tigers. <laughs> they are, many of them do it simply because they've seen so many speakers do it, just like thank you at the end mm. of the presentation. And some of them are under the mistaken belief that they connect better with the sides of the audiences if they go over to that side of the stage. And in fact, that does work. But what happens to the side you're not looking at? Mm. They are now looking at your perhaps lovely backside. I don't know. <laughs> but you've given, them, you've given them an opportunity to check out. 
Yeah. Now, when you go back to their side, you have to get them back. Move. If here's the rule for movement for me: mm-hmm. to move or not to move. That is the question. If you have nowhere to go and no reason to get there, stay still. <laughs> Fill your space with your presence, not your footsteps. You can look right, look left, turn your body, all kinds of things. And I'm not saying nail yourself to the floor, but I am saying that movement needs to be for a purpose. For example, if you're doing a chronological story, do the beginning of it, all right, stage directions, very important. Always given from the point of view of the person on the stage, never from the audience because they don't care what the directions are. For a speaker doing something chronological, they must start from their, uh, from stage right because that's the audience's left. And in most parts of the world, not most, but many parts of the world, we read from left to right. We begin at the left. For the speaker, that's stage right. That's their right. So you stand on that side of the stage. When you're finished, that little bubble of information move to the next state, further to the center of the stage, and so on, so that it's following a nice chronological line. Yes. Uh, Or move for uh, a good news spot and a bad news spot. Politicians use this one all the time. Move to the good news spot uh, and give them all your promises and things that you've done Go to the bad news spot to say, well, this isn't quite as good and my opponent does this and this. Then the trick is go to the good news spot to say, I'm raising your taxes. Mm -hmm. They will accept it as being good because that's where the good news comes from. Uh Very very interesting to use movement. Here's the thing. 7% of the message that people receive is from your words. Only 7%. And yet most speakers stop there. They do their, the the words are brilliant, but they pay little attention to the other 93%, all of which is physiological. Uh, It is 38% of the message they receive comes through the tone of their voice. And yet how many people really, really know how to work the voice? The remaining 55% of the message they receive is from your body language. Stopping at just creating the right words and then marrying those words makes you nervous because you're going to forget those valuable words and the audience only gets that sliver of information. And here's the really rough part is that when the words and the body language and the tone of voice don't match, it's the body language that is taken as true. The words go out window. Try saying, uh, try, try saying yes with your mouth, but shaking your head no while mm-hmm. you're doing it. People will believe the no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When you're therefore doing your, your openings and closings, your opening must come from a place of neutral, which is chest high, uh, feet in neutral, right under your shoulders. Not sumo wrestler apart, just under your shoulders, arms at your side, standing proud. 
That's all it is. Just stand, not, not arrogant, just proud. That's neutral. From there now, you can proceed to do whatever it is you need to do and change the neutrality to make your point. At the end, the purpose of putting your feet together, bowing just a little bit, arms at your side, is a sign of humility. Mm -hmm. Those are the signs that you want to give. Yeah, as you also mentioned about the, the voice, a uh, very important element, what would what would be your best piece of advice using the voice more specifically both in the beginning and in the endings? Variety, variety, variety. It doesn't matter. I have a very low uh, speaking voice for a woman. And I can very easily croon babies to sleep with this voice. <laughs> the, uh, so the trick is you must change your pacing You have to change the tonality. You have to make sure you've got rests in there. Right at the very beginning, you want to make a matter-of-fact statement. The earth is made of green cheese. Pause for a moment to let that sink in, but pause with purpose. There's a difference between uh, an energized pause and a big, deep hole. The world is made of green cheese. Now, I'm giving you just a second to think about that. Mm. Now, I'm going to come in with a different tone of voice to explain what I mean. Change the pacing, change the timing, change the tone of voice. At the end, when you are stating your name, what you do, and that, and that you are being of service to them, that is very much like the beginning. Begin and end with statement in the same tonality of this is truth. In between all that, you change up everything you can as often as you can. I recently read in, in social media, one person placed there uh, a comment that uh, as a, actually as a public speaking advice, that you should never end your speech or presentation with someone else quote, no? like quoting a famous people, um, What do you think of that? Uh, well, I'm curious as to the rationale behind that because I don't think there's anything wrong with using a quote to end with, as so-and-so says, blah, 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 can be very powerful. So I'm curious as to why they thought it was a bad idea because right after that, you are then going to state your name So that they're left with the idea of the quote, but then you add your name and now they attribute the brilliance of that quote and they thank you for sharing it with them. So I'm not quite sure why that mm -hmm. would be a good idea. Sure, I believe the idea is that the rationale is that uh, you should end with your own words, like your own quote, your own perfect phrase. Well, that's lovely, except that your perfect phrase, the speaker's perfect phrase, may not be the audience's perfect phrase. Remembering that the speaker's job is to share their message with the audience for the audience's benefit. And if someone else's quote is going to benefit and aid them in understanding the speaker's message, 
then I'm not sure that I see a problem with that. Mm-hmm. I think I think speakers sometimes get uh, terribly hung up on me, 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 ending with with what I think, ending mm. what, what I believe, me, me, me. Well, when you're a speaker, it's not about you, really and truly. The audience doesn't care if they're listening to an orangutan as long as the message is solving their top of mind problem, not that of the speaker. <laughs> uh, so, so if someone else's words strike the speaker as brilliant, sharing that so that the audience can gain understanding from it and that if, if it helps to underline the message that the speaker is giving, I don't think that that is there's any detriment to doing that. I think that comes from a spirit of generosity, and it leaves with the impression that the speaker knows that there is always someone else that knows better. Mm. There's always someone else with another idea. The speaker is not the be-all and end-all of the greatest humanity has to offer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, after all, it's a matter of... Um the right moment no and in the right moment you might be, use a quote in other moments it's it's just no point to do it and now, now I, that, do, see, I do have a quote that i like to use uh, but it doesn't it it doesn't mean that other people can't use it if they want to use it and say i heard a speaker once say and end their quote there's I, it doesn't bother me my quote is no one can give you confidence because confidence comes from your assessment of yourself only you can bestow trust in your own abilities mm-hmm. now so you're the author of this quote so that, i'm the author of that uh-huh. quote but that but to say i'm the author isn't quite fair because <laughs> that comes from a whole bunch of knowledge that i've gleaned from mm-hmm. other authors and other speakers on the way uh it's my understanding and my belief in what confidence is uh but to say i completely invented it would be wrong <laughs> no man is an island we get our ideas from somewhere uh so the contributing authors to that quote are many mm-hmm. and would you say that is your favorite quotation or do you have another it is. No, that's my favorite quotation mm-hmm. because I absolutely believe that confidence is knowing that you have enough skills in your toolkit mm-hmm. to to navigate your way out of difficult situations. That's what confidence is. Confidence is not the bravado of I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. Mm-hmm. Confidence is knowing that no matter what crops up along the way, you can get yourself out of it. That's confidence. Mm. Yes. And Rosemary, could you now recommend us one book that has been for you particularly inspiring and influential? There is a book that I read recently that absolutely changed the way I look at business. It's called Rocket Fuel, written by Gino Wickman. Uh-huh. In it, the authors speak about the two essential roles in business as being the visionary and the integrator the visionary is your poster child add <laughs> adhd with a thousand ideas a second not all of them good and the the grandstanding and the bopping from place to place 
the visionary is the one that wants to be seen, that wants to close the big deals, that has that have all the ideas bouncing around. The integrator is the one that makes the trains come in and leave on time. The integrator is the one that can uh, take the visionary's plethora of ideas and whittle them down to something useful. We need both of those. Now, it sounds like if the visionary was the, the boss boss, that sounds reasonable. But what happens if the integrator is the boss? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I found that book to be absolutely, I didn't, I was frightened, I was frightened to read it because I've always thought of myself as a visionary. I was afraid that when I read the book, uh-huh. I was going to find out I was just, I was an integrator, just not a very good one. Uh-huh. But no, no. I'm a visionary. Uh, uh, it's a fabulous book, very easy to read, and it really made a difference in how I see businesses running. Again, the title was? Rocket Fuel hmm. uh, by Gino Wickman. Hmm. Thanks for saying that. Could you finally recommend us um, an exercise, something practical that we could do regularly, a routine to shine? I certainly can, but you're going to think I'm crazy. I'm going to tell us. I'm going to tell us all to practice making diamonds. Now, how do you mm-hmm. make a diamond? You a take diamond. a lump of with paper. Yeah, no, you take a lump of coal. You add time and pressure, mm-hmm. and under all those circumstances, the, the yeah. lump of coal turns into a diamond, a glittering, glowing mm-hmm. diamond. Now, what do we do to make that happen for us? Hmm. Do, do you have a kit? I, you, you, here's your kit. <laughs> I'm going to tell you to. <laughs> uh, I'm going to tell you to clench your cheeks, not the ones on your face. <laughs> <laughs> you see, in order to be present and to be able to make your opening. Uh, powerful and engaging in order to leave equally engaging and powerfully we have to have our core engaged when you tell people to engage their core all kinds of strange thing happens people tend to go okay I can do this I can do this and they get tight 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 and what happens is their throats get tight their voices get strained their message becomes diluted. But by tightening your glutes, your bam bam, the back of your front, the place you sit, by tightening just there, just that, you engage your lower lower abdominal muscles, leaving the rest free to illustrate, explain, demonstrate. But by tightening your lower, your bum, What happens is that your, your, your lower abdominals become engaged and that's your core and that's your power. When that is engaged, your voice rings pure and true and carries this business about tightening the diaphragm and I am a trained singer. Mm-hmm. So believe me when I tell you that tightening your diaphragm so that it's like a brick wall does nothing but harm. It does no good at all for singing or speaking. Tighten lower, much lower. There's too much to think about, though, when you get up on stage. So I say make diamonds. Engage your core by tightening your glutes, 
Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you stand tall, you stand proud. And what's really good is that when you, after you practice this just a little bit, uh, it becomes automatic. So that when you take to the podium, that's the position you naturally stand in. Mm-hmm. Practice it a little by little. <laughs> anytime you're feeling a lack of confidence, anytime you're feeling slightly insecure, anytime you've got someone is questioning you or putting you on the spot, tighten your glutes, squeeze your cheeks, not the one on your face. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you will stand taller. That changes the endorphins and the dopamine. You feel good about yourself, and then you can truly share the answers to the audience's questions. I have to try that. Yeah, so let's make diamonds. Make diamonds. <laughs> well, thanks a lot, Rosemary, for this very entertaining and insightful interview with you. Please uh, let us know. Thanks. Let us know how we can find you on the net. What are the best ways for that? Wonderful. My website is at www.confidentstages.com and my email is rbarnes, B-A-R-N-E-S, at confidentstages.com. I would love to hear from you. I'm thrilled to answer any questions anyone might have. Please get in touch. I am at your service. Thanks again, Marie. Have a lovely spring and all the best. And you too, Oscar. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Did you like it? Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or visit us at timetoshinepodcast.com. Until next time, 